my junior year of high school, and let me tell you that I am uh, very reluctant to share this with all of you, but I was voted on my class's homecoming court. Um, yeah, here's a, here's a picture of it. Um, yeah, so this guy, I'm, I'm kind of a big deal. 2003 was a very good year for me. I'm not going to lie to you about that. But at homecoming court that year, I was donned with a dark forest green sash and my date and I linked arms and we were ushered into the crowded basketball gym, blah, 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 blah right? While the aisle was lined with ROTC members and their shimmering swords were drawn, held at an angle in the air, creating a military style, what they call a saber arch. Is that right, Larkin? You tell me. As we were introduced, some corny royalty music played and everyone clapped for us. And all the while, all of the kids, all they wanted to do was for the music to come back on. Um, it was one of those very uh, memorable moments, something that I really enjoyed. It was one of those memories where you know you should have been happy and proud, but it was really just kind of awkward and silly. But still, it was fun and an enjoyable memory. Well, today we're going to talk about another spectacle of ushering someone in and towards something. But this one, uh, the one we're going to talk about is one that, unlike mine, well, this one would change the world forever. Um, today, Palm Sunday, we're going to read from the customary text in John 12, which describes the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And interestingly enough, as some of you may know, this is one of those instances in the Bible that is recorded in all uh, four of the gospel accounts. It's really cool. So take a moment and grab your Bible and open it up with me to the book of John. We're going to be in chapter 12, starting in verse 1. We will be reading for the first 19 verses. Um, and if you don't have a paper Bible, feel free to just use your phone or your tablet um, with your favorite Bible app. So let's read together. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Verse 9. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom had been raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come from the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it was written, 
Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard that he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. This is the word of the Lord. So what we're going to do now is we're going to backtrack a little bit. So starting in verse 1, we are immediately hit with the historical, the religious, the cultural, and the prophetic weight of what we're reading. My question to you is, do you see it? It's right there. It's those first five words, six days before the Passover. Now, as we pause, we have to ask ourselves, why is it important that John mentions this in his gospel, six days? Well, it's a massive flag in the historical landscape of the history of our faith and of our world. So here's how it goes. As was customary, each Passover for millennia, Jewish people would, six days before Passover, choose a sacrificial lamb, bring it into their home, and inspect its hooves and its ankles, its, its feet, checking for imperfections and wounds that it may have incurred throughout its life. They then, the Jews, would anoint the lambs with feet, they would anoint the lamb's feet with oil so as to protect and prepare the lamb for the sacrifice at Passover. It was the beginning of the process, the start of the journey that would lead to the lamb's sacrifice at the altar. Mary does this, unbeknownst to her. She, in humility and love, stoops low, anointing the feet of the Lamb of God with oil and cleansing them with her own hair. God uses the lowly to fulfill his promises. She takes the precious nard, and no, not this nard, um, and blesses Jesus with it. And all the while, Judas, sulking in the corner, and, and he's whining because Mary has chosen again the better portion, which, by the way, was kind of her M.O. Mary was always watching and listening and humbling herself before Jesus. Judas was just worried about the loss of income from the wasted perfume, feigning an interest in the plight of the poor. And I use the term income here very loosely. He was stealing. Plain and simple, he was a thief. In this moment, Judas misses it. He simply... Um, let this moment in history just walk right by him. Jesus even gives us a clue about the prophetic nature of this experience with the nard as he rebukes Jesus. He says, let her alone. Let her keep this for the day of my burial. Another sign that Jesus is laying the groundwork, leaving breadcrumbs for his disciples to look back on. Things, moments, and words that they will remember when they are given the keys to the kingdom. But that's later. Just as this beautiful moment is wrapping up between Mary and Jesus, a massive crowd finds out where Jesus is, 
uh, and they, they, you know, they know he's close at hand. And so they descend on him and the disciples where they were staying. At this point in Jesus's ministry, we know that he has become massively popular and divisive. At this point in his life, it would have been almost impossible for him to get away to be alone for any moment at all. This is why we see him departing and hiding away from crowds more and more. He feels the weight of what is coming. He knows that time with God, with his father, is the only place of refuge that he has. And so he seeks it out all the more. But before he gets a chance to depart, the crowd finds him. This crowd is most likely filled with all types of people. So, you know, we're talking about Jews, Gentiles, Pharisees for sure, various religious leaders. You know, we're talking about um, chief priests, as, as we've read in the scriptures, maybe even Roman uh, soldiers, uh, military leaders. And we know for sure because of the scripture in John that chief priests were in attendance. These were the dudes who were always trying to trap and trick Jesus into doing or saying something that would get him in trouble or disqualify him. It never worked. So what did they do? Well, they went after his friends. The religious leaders went after those closest to Jesus. Lazarus had just been raised from the dead and was present in the, in the band of sisters and brothers that were with Jesus, traveling with him, staying with him. These chief priests knew that Lazarus was essentially a walking, talking, and breathing billboard testifying that Jesus was God, a dead man that was alive. And they hated it, so they wanted to kill Lazarus. The scripture from John states, Then the chief priests planned to kill Lazarus as well because he was the reason for many of the Jews' going away and putting their faith in Jesus. They knew that a lot of people had been captivated towards the saving and healing power of Jesus through that act, through the resurrection of Lazarus, through that work of Jesus. Uh, the chief priests wanted this walking and talking miracle simply to go away. But these people, in the end, were missing it. These chief priests were absolutely missing it. None of them saw that the resurrection of Lazarus was but a minuscule foretaste of what was to come. These followers were walking and traveling with Jesus because he raised a man from the dead, which is an amazing miracle. But what they were missing was that the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world was walking right past them. After this, Jesus began his travel into the city of Jerusalem. In the scope of Holy Week, we commonly refer to this as Jesus' triumphal entry into the city. Uh, it's the moment where prophecies throughout the Bible uh, come together in this really grand and beautiful uh, tapestry. As Jesus neared the grand city of David, Jerusalem, Jesus was greeted by thousands of people who were all present there for the Passover. They'd heard of Jesus from friends or family, had seen him do miracles, or had listened to his words. They were excited to see him because they thought that he was the one that would finally bring them the glory that they had for so long desired. They wanted Jesus to save them, but not from sin. They wanted him to save them from the tyrannical rule and reign of the Roman Empire. 
At this moment, we again are given a prophetic image of Jesus riding into the city on a donkey. John writes, referencing the prophecy in Zechariah, for Jesus had found a young donkey and was seated upon it, just as the scripture foretold, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, in those days, if a king was wanting to wage war against another province, country, town, city, he would enter or approach the city on a horse. Horses have the power, stature, and the speed. They're made for war, right? However, if the king were coming in peace, he would approach and enter on a donkey. It was a regal symbol, a sign of calm, welcome, and a desire for a connection. Think of the Pope Mobile, a form of transportation that said, I'm not here to get hostile. Picture it. Jesus riding on his young donkey, entering the great city and being adorned with garments and palm branches from thousands of people. In John, we read, So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. They cried out, Hosanna! In Hebrew, Basically, the translation, when you compile it all together into its English parts, would say something to the effect of, please, we beg you, deliver us and save us. This scripture, these words coming directly from Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26, save us, we pray, O Lord, O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The people around him were shouting and crying out. Do you understand what crying out actually looks like? Well, when I read it, I actually began to flip through the uh, Rolodex databank in my brain for images of what crying out might look like. And what came to mind was women at Beatles concerts um, and Here's an image of those. I mean, look at those faces, the absolute brain melt that young women experienced in the presence of the Beatles. And yet here we are realizing that the same experience, that same breaking down of the human condition is happening right here in the gospel of John as Jesus rides down the street to Jerusalem on a donkey. I'm going to show you uh, an image. And I want you to notice Jesus, of course, but I also want you to notice all the crowd around him, all the people. Okay, now, did you notice this person? Or this guy? Or how about the father with his child? These were lost and desperate people in a desperate time, desiring for the rumors of old, the rumors about the Messiah to actually be true. Longing for the prophecies about the Messiah to come to fruition in their day. And yet some of these same people, palm branches in hand, would be those who would yell from the tops of their lungs, crucify him, crucify him. The God-man himself riding a donkey would pass right by them and they didn't even realize it. They were looking for a king to lead them to societal, political, and military freedom and power and completely missed that the God of the universe was right there in front of their eyes. 
Even in verse 16, we read that the disciples themselves didn't even realize what was going on. It reads, the disciples did not realize the significance of what was happening at the time. But when Jesus was glorified, then they recollected that these things had been written about him and that they had carried them out for him. Here's the big idea. Here's, here's, here's the big question, okay? Today, as you enter into Holy Week, will you let Jesus ride by, leaving you alone, standing on the roadside with your palm branch in hand? Or will you step out onto the road and follow Jesus all the way till Golgotha? Trust me when I say this, I know this is a tough and weighty question, and my hope is that this is not the first time that you've considered it. But if it is, let this be the day that you make the choice to follow Jesus as he shows us how to submit one's life and one's will to God the Father. Let us be comforted by Jesus' words when he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. This week, as we journey with Jesus from his triumphal entry to his crucifixion on the cross, ask yourself these two questions. Will I let Jesus walk by? And two, what do I have to let go of to follow him? Let's pray. Lord, help us to recognize you. Jesus, help us to see when you're near and when you're walking by and help us to have the courage and the faith to know that you are worth stepping out and following. Be with us this holy week. Bless us in your name. Help us to see you. Amen.